welcome to The Messy Middle. I'm your host, Andrew Horsfield, and I hope that wherever you're listening from, you're safely enjoying some of the freedoms that we're now being afforded as corona restrictions are starting to ease. The philosophy of this podcast is that success rarely occurs in a straight line. So being able to find a way, not lose your way when things get tough, is a critical skill for any modern day leader. And this podcast is designed for astute listeners like you who want to learn and then leverage the lessons from leaders who are already delivering results in a demanding context. You can find out more or subscribe if you enjoyed this episode at andrewhorsfield.com forward slash podcast. When we're stretching ourselves for something worthwhile, fear, doubt and difficulty inevitably turn up to drain our energy and derail our effort. And rather than just accept the struggle and status quo, Janine Garner in her new book, Be Brilliant, shares how we can harness the potential that already exists within us to lead a life of influence. Janine's a global thought leader on networking, collaboration and leadership, who's written two other books, but her most recent one, Be Brilliant, broke into the global top 20 business books in the first month of its release. And this is a book that's being noticed because we need leaders who can solve complex problems, collaborate with other people, and capture new opportunities. And in this conversation with Janine, we discuss how being an authentic leader will help you deliver on such a demanding requirement. Please enjoy this conversation with the author of Be Brilliant, Janine Garner. Janine, welcome to The Messy Middle. I'm super excited and and, uh, looking forward to be able to have a conversation with you today. It's absolutely fabulous to be back, Andrew. Thank you for inviting me again. Your latest book, Be Brilliant, is all about leading a life of influence. And before we dig into that and talk about that, it's such an interesting um, backstory behind the launch. So I thought we could start there. (laughs) Well, there's, there's nothing more challenging than trying to launch a book in a period of time where there are very limited retail outlets, um, which is pretty much what I was facing, Andrew. So, you know, this is the third book. um, And I would say before this book, we pretty much nailed how to effectively market a book and, and get the sell through happening or get the distribution happening. Then COVID hit. And suddenly, as many people around the world have experienced, retail totally shut down. Now, this book originally was due for release in June, and I worked really hard with the uh, with my publisher to push it back. So we've pushed it back to a 1st of July uh, launch. But then I went, oh, my gosh, how on earth am I going to let people know about this book? I did have a few moments of uh, crying in the shower going, what am I doing? I've put my you know, blood, sweat <laughs> and tears into writing this book. Nobody's going to be interested in this book at this period of time. And uh, I ended up on the phone one afternoon with a guy called Shane Hatton, who I think you actually also know, Andrew. He's, uh, he's yes. a Melbourne-based expert in the area of communication. And, uh, and I was sharing with him my, my fear and he just said to me, Janine, you need to use your own IP. You've been you know, sharing and helping so many people over the last nine, 10 years. Reach out, follow your own IP, reach out and ask for help. And I decided to uh, record a video where I'm literally sat on a chair at home asking people to help. And I decided I was going to post that across every single social media platform and send it out to my database. Now, 
it was really scary because asking for help um, amongst people you know I, that I know is hard enough, let alone putting it out into the universe of thousands of people that follow me. But um, And I can still remember this moment where I'd loaded everything up and I was literally standing above my laptop going, I can't press this button. People will think I'm stupid. <laughs> and I talk in the book actually about the voices in our heads and that literally my voice in my head was going, Janine, who do you think you are to do this? People are going to think you're silly, blah, 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 blah. And in the end, I literally just went, insert swear word, it and press the button. So essentially, I put out the call for people to join my cheer squad to help me get the noise out about this book. And then I went, um, I need to bring all these people together. So I decided to set up a Zoom call, having no idea who would turn up. And I think we had about, you know, four pages scrolling of people online. And I think I might have shed a few tears because I was so overwhelmed at the incredible support that that people were giving me. You know, this this is a living and breathing experiment into the power of connection and collaboration. Yeah, look, and it's such a great story for so many reasons, Jenna, and there's probably a whole podcast episode about exploring just the act of that and the response and how you're managing that group. And I think I said to you before we started recording that from my perspective, it's encouraging and probably somewhat refreshing to hear an author who's genuinely embracing the behaviours that they're endorsing, not just in the book you've just written, but in the previous books that, that you've written before this one. So the question that I wanted to ask is what did you learn about yourself in taking that courageous step and reaching out to that cohort of colleagues? It's taught me a lot about the power of that ripple effect, you know, the people that you influence and impact and have the chance to be part of their world without even realizing it. And and something I talk a lot about of, of we've really got to all of us take ownership of our everyday behaviors because of the impact we can make. One of my former mentors once actually said to me that I put in too much time for people. And I challenged it because what I know about myself is that that my natural instinct and MO is is really to absolutely help other people become better. So this whole experiment um, almost was like having a mirror put up in front of me because everything that I've committed my life to in terms of helping other people unlock their brilliance, collaborate better, find that support crew of people to connect with so that they can succeed. It was all reflected back at me. And it's really taught me, you know, the one key lesson, Andrew, is ask for help. It's really reaffirmed for me the human spirit, um, the power of my work in terms of the power of connection and collaborating properly, and really that, that ability to have the courage to face fear and just go for it. I mean, I think if you listen to any uh, conversation around leadership now, we would just repeatedly hear this need for leaders to manage complex problems, collaborate well, capture new opportunities. So how does uh, us being brilliant or bringing our authentic selves help us deliver on such a difficult requirement? If we have any self-doubt, if we're worrying about our own imperfections, if we're concerned about what is holding us back or we go into comparisonitis or, you know, we start really doubting ourselves, there is no way that we can effectively lead, we can effectively collaborate, we can effectively connect. 
because you will always be hiding a part of yourself. And if you're hiding a part of yourself and worrying about yourself, then just by the nature of the osmosis of behavior, um, that will um, have a knock-on effect to the people around you. And so, so this book is really essentially throwing the whole concept of learning how to lead a little bit on its head and going, you know what, you cannot possibly connect and collaborate. You cannot possibly lead yourself and amplify others until you actually uh, build your own inner confidence um, and ensure that you are leading yourself first and foremost. And so you've got to work on yourself to accept all of these multiple facets of yourself and understand that for years you've been smoothing off the rough edges. You've been hiding the stuff because you want to conform. Um, you know, society, schooling, business puts us into boxes. And if you're playing anywhere near on the edge, you stand out. And what I'm saying is we need you to stand out. We need you to be different. We need you to embrace the multiple facets of your life to hear the strengths, the weaknesses, the awesome bits, the things you'd rather hide. Because until you can bring your full self into any conversation, we're not actually going to create the space to enable that conversation to become what it needs to be. Um, and essentially, this is my call to arms. It's, it is, let's create a pandemic of brilliance because right now in this world of complexity and, and unknown and the massive adaptive challenge, the, the answers, the way through this needs each and every single one of us to bring our brilliance to the surface. You mentioned there are a couple of things about um, that I want to pick up on. What are some of those common places that you see people hiding instead of being that brilliant, authentic self? We see people wearing different hats at different times. I think we see people bringing a certain version of themselves to work and then there's a certain version of themselves at home. Um, in much of uh, my, uh, with my private clients, corporate clients, and even workshops that I've been running in corporate, you know, there's always this point where people will admit that they're, they're hiding a part of themselves. Um, they are presenting a version of themselves at work that they feel they need to present. Um, um, you know, you used to be able to quite easily separate work from home. We'd clock in at nine and we'd leave at five and you'd almost very easily be able to separate uh, the various parts of your life. But now we're living in a world where everything is becoming increasingly integrated and increasingly blended. People are exhausted. They're exhausted with trying to keep up. They're exhausted with the amount of choice that they've got in front of them. They're exhausted at being stretched in multiple directions. They're exhausted at just being busy of wondering, oh, gosh, what is my next step? And I'm going, stop it, because this exhaustion is stopping our brilliance. This exhaustion means that we are only bringing a portion of ourselves to our work, to our communities, to our life, to our families. And the sooner that we can just go, this is me. Yeah, this is me. Like me or not like me, you will see the same version of myself wherever I go. You know, I often think about a conversation with a guy called Paul Zara. He is, he was the CEO of a company called David Jones here in Australia, one of the biggest department stores. And he pretty much worked his way up from the shop floor over about 15 years to ultimately become the CEO at David Jones. And when I asked him about that, that tipping point and this concept of owning your spotlight, 
um, he reaffirmed it and he said, you know, Janine, that the challenge is trying to conform is the worst thing that we can do because essentially by trying to get people to conform, we're wiping away the little bits of individuality, the, the, the uniqueness of their thinking, and they become a, a smaller percent of who they are at work. And he said he did that. So, so Paul Zara is a massive advocate here in Australia for, um, for gender diversity, uh, and uh, he was one of the first CEOs to uh, march at Gay Pride. He was one of the first CEOs to come out as being gay, and he actually says, from the moment I owned myself, from the moment I decided to stop faking it till I make it, to stop hiding parts of my personality, to actually go, you know what, this is me. This is actually me. And he said the moment he did that, everything went into flow. Um, and it's the same. Every single business leader, game changer in industry, incredible athlete that I've spoken to, the same thing happens. As soon as they start liking themselves for who they are, accepting their imperfections, rising above their limitations, they're able to create far more impact with the work that they're doing. Yeah. In the book, one of the things I really like or, or that you say that better is something you become, and I just wondered what you, what you meant by that. You can't get better overnight. <laughs> it is practice. And it's exactly like uh, an athlete trying to run a marathon for the first time. You know, they have the goal in mind. And each day they'll add an extra K on and an extra K on and an extra K on. It's, it's exactly like somebody trying to write a book or somebody that's trying to launch a number one record. It's the continuous effort and commitment to improving yourself every single day that ultimately will help you unlock your brilliance. Too many people stop. Too many people aren't curious about what that next move is or how to become better. So what I see in the work that I do, um, you know, I see people, they either become complacent um, where, where, you know, they know they're doing all right, but they're, they're just sort of going through the motions of, of work. Um, um, and then the next level is they're excellent. They're great at what they do. And this can apply to businesses as well. Businesses are good. Individuals are good. But at some point, questioning starts happening and they can either choose to listen to those questions or not. The question is, what more should I be doing? What's my next move? Is there a next move? Is there more to this? Can I become better? Is there, is there an opportunity to be better? And, and whether if you choose to listen to those questions and therefore you then explore getting the right people around you, um, improving your, yourself mentally and physically, uh, ensuring that you're making the impact that you want to make, then you will step up into brilliance. Uh, better is not about staying still. Better is only happens when you take one more step forward. I'm wondering, you know, if someone's listening to the podcast, or I think if we took a poll of people who are listening to the podcast and think, you know, what are the demands and difficulties that are eating into that intentionality or distraction? And there would be a host of them uh, for most of us. So how do people who are listening going, I'd like to do that, but how does that person start to curate the conditions that allow them to start to think about this more significantly? So the reason we don't progress is we get a bad case of blameitis. 
we either, and I think of blame as a triangle, and one corner of the triangle is we become a deflector. So it's someone else's fault as to our lack of progress, our inability to find the time, uh, our lack of budget, etc. The second point of the triangle is defeatist, is something else's fault, the government, um, the market, the industry, the competition, etc. Um, and the third point of the triangle is we become defeatist. It's our own problem. Um, I'm not good enough. Uh, I don't believe I can. Uh, I'm stuck in this job. I'm already busy enough, etc., etc. So, so we all enter into this triangle of blame. We all catch this disease called blameitis. The only way to move forward is you have to take ownership of where you're at. So to answer your question, if you want to build your self-belief, if you want to become more visible, if you want to become more brilliant, you have to start with the intention of going, this is my life. This is the impact I want to make. Now, how do I do this? Because nobody else will do this for you. Nobody else will do it. Yeah, I think the thing I'd add to that, Janine, from from my experience with, with clients in this area too is that when everything's a priority, so the challenge you've said to people is start making some choices and start owning the impact you want to have and then people naturally default to, well, what do I let go? Everything's important. Everything's urgent. And so my challenge I'd add to people who are listening is that if you list things down and, and put them in some sort of priority order, um, that might help to also make some hard decisions about the three things that you might have to focus on now as opposed to everything being done at the same, yep. same time. The key, the key thing to remember is busy isn't leadership. Yes, yes. Busy actually means that you've let all control go. Um, other people are controlling you versus you controlling what you're doing. And if you look at any of uh, the people that succeed in business or succeed in the arts or succeed in sport, they have got this absolute goal of where they're heading. And it's about making sure that you are doing things that take you towards that. Now, even in business, I go, you know, I'm sure you and I do similar work and it's always people have got their, their diaries are out of control, their inboxes are out of control and they're running around like whirling dervishes doing a hell of a lot of stuff but not necessarily doing the right stuff. And if you're going to lead yourself and become mm. more brilliant, it's being able to focus on, because you never get to the end of the to-do lists, but having that ability to go, what is the real stuff that I need to focus on to move me forward? There's a famous um, example of this, Steve Jobs, apparently, and I can't remember where I read this, um, but there's a story where when he used to have his away days of planning the future of the business, um, he would get everybody into a room and um, he'd literally give them a brief of, right, we're trying to work out what we've got to do for the next 12 months. And he would instruct people to put post-it notes all over the walls of the ideas that the team thought they should work on for the next 12 months. Um, a few hours later, he'd come back into the room and he'd see the walls covered in post-it notes and he'd go, okay, I'm going out now, but I want you to get rid of half of them. And he'd come back in again and he would do this multiple times until it ended up with three post-it notes on the wall. And those three post-it notes were the focus for the business. 
And, and this is what we have to do as individuals, as businesses, as leaders. We have to get the focus back and doing the work that really matters. Yeah, and I think it's also paradoxical, isn't it? Because the more capable uh, you are, the more you deliver, the more impact you're having, the more of those requests that you need to triage because people see that that's the impact you're having. So it, it almost becomes an essential, well, not becomes, it is an essential skill for anyone of high impact to to get used to pretty quickly. And I'm wondering your view about, is that more about mindset? Is that about attention or energy? Is that about structure and productivity? Is it all of those things? I think one of the the key ones that we seem to have forgotten is that ability to to harness your energy, uh, which is the law too I write about in the book. So I see too many people that are um, absolutely exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally. And I speak to many leaders and say, your, your organizations are dying from the inside because people are running around like crazy. Part of being brilliant, part of being your best, part of being able to think clearly to magnify the team around you, to have the impact that you want to make to influence more means that you've got to ensure that you are functioning at your best. And, and that to me is one of the most critical parts of this puzzle. Again, if we bring this to the angle of athletes, you know, they have down days. Um, they have days where they stop and they rest and they recuperate so that they can go back on the field or wherever and improve their personal best next time. But if we look at executives, if we look at people that aren't athletes, most of us are working way more hours than Olympic athletes. Your ability, yes, as your influence increases to be able to manage your time better so you're better is more important than ever because you have to be able to think, you have to be able to triage what you're doing, you have to be able to get perspective with clarity to make the right decision moving forward. A great example of this, um, Ray Pittman, um, again, he's he features in the book. I interviewed him on my podcast. Uh, he is now based in the U.S. He's a COO of a, a major company in the U.S. He used to be the MD of CBRE Australia and New Zealand here. And I was talking to him about this concept and he was sharing with me that there was a moment in time where he realized he was so busy. He looked at his calendar and his belief was that he had to be everywhere to know what was going on in the business. And as a result, he'd become a slave to his calendar. His calendar was jammed with appointments. And yet he was feeling mentally exhausted. And so he decided that he, was, he needed a reset. And essentially, he made a decision for him that was no meetings before 10 o'clock and no meetings after, I think it was 3.30 or 4 o'clock. And he triaged his decision-making uh, process in terms of when he'd say yes to meetings and when he'd say no. And his diary was like chalk and cheese. And yet the performance also was like chalk and cheese for the better. So his ability to actually take stuff out of his calendar to focus on doing the right work where he could add the right input, to also bookend his days so that he was able to set his days up and think clearly and also then reset for the next day and look after himself, actually improved his productivity, his performance, built culture, built engagement, um, helped the company in terms of step change. And too many of us forget this. We, we give over 
our calendar, our time to other people. And then we wonder why we're exhausted. We wonder why we're getting sick. We wonder why we can't think. We wonder why we make mistakes. It's a great example that you've just given. What about for you personally? Do you have like little five minute or 15 minute things that you do during the day to keep that energy topped up or to look after yourself? I, I just meditated for 15 minutes before coming on this call as an example because I was feeling a little bit tired. So um, it's things like that. So I, exercise for me is really important, Andrew. So I do get up and do exercise every morning through the week. And it's, it's a bit of sort of active meditation for me. Um, I've learned to say no more. Um, so I make a point of pausing before I say yes to stuff and really thinking about uh, what the cost of that yes is. And then my own personal thing that I am working on absolutely is getting enough sleep. Um, (laughs) So making sure I get to bed at a reasonable time, that I have that wind down space and sleep is, is so critically important. The other thing for me is um, I really protect my weekends, Andrew. I'm like, this is my time to hang out with the kids, even though most of the time I'm now an Uber driver for them because they're at that age now. But it's just time to not be uh, giving to other people, but actually to be spending time with family. Um, You know, when I was working corporately, I would absolutely um, burn the candle at both ends. Um, I was one of those crazy executives that would have my phone on in holidays. The kids would go to bed and I'd be back on the laptop. And I'd actually got myself into such a habit, I didn't know how to switch off. So I've had to relearn uh, this concept of time. Um, And, you know, one of the exercises I do with, with my clients on this stuff, and it's a really basic, basic one. I go, imagine you've got, imagine like you're one of those crazy clowns uh, from the, the uh, fairs that you used to go to the spinning plates. And you've got three plates spinning. You've got one in each hand and the other one somehow balanced between the toes on one foot. And you stood on one foot and you're trying to keep all these plates spinning. Now, if we were to label each plate and you were to mark each plate out of five, with five being awesome and zero being really bad, what would you label the plate? So if the first plate was your career or your business, out of five, how are you doing? If your second plate was you know, relationships and connections and network, again, out of five, how are you doing? Five being great, zero being rubbish. And then the final plate is yourself. Now, how are you looking after yourself? And your job ultimately is to keep all the plates up in the air because if one were to drop and smash on the floor, it's really hard to rebuild that career, relationships, and yourself. And every time I do this exercise, it's incredible how many people that, that when you talk to, okay, which ranks higher, it's always career, business, or relationships. I say, which is the lowest? It's always themselves. And the challenge really is to start understanding what do you need to do to ensure that when one of those plates is starting to get close to the ground, what are the things that you know will help that plate spin higher up? And it's this self-awareness piece, which is, again, why Be Brilliant is all about ownership. It's the self-awareness to go, oh, my gosh, uh, I, I've, I've, I can't think clearly. Uh, I'm getting really ratty at home. 
I'm making bad decisions at work. Right, what is it that it's, that's affecting it? It's me. I'm not having enough time. I need to take some time out. Um, I have to get my exercise back on track. Whatever it is, picking, being aware of the three things that you have to do to make sure that each of those plates spins higher is your responsibility. I wanted to ask because we've spoken a lot about being brilliant for individuals and leaders, but it's not just an isolation to, to an individual, is it? Um, being brilliant is also about connecting and, and uplifting other people too, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think part of our individual responsibility is to continually lift and amplify those around us which is why it goes back to law one of owning your spotlight. Because if you're doubting yourself, if you're beating yourself up, if you're questioning your capability, it's really hard to amplify people around you in the right way. This is so, so critical. And I think this is one of the, the biggest opportunities that exists for all of us. If you think about where we're at right now, particularly talking at this from an from a organizational perspective, you know, there's a whole generation of leaders right now that are looking up and going, I'm not quite sure that's the sort of leader I want to become. Um, and I think some of this will be reinforced through COVID-19. Um, you know, that old school, traditional command and control leadership that currently has been rewarded for its, its way of leading is, is being challenged or people are looking up and questioning that. At the same time, we've got them looking down and going, this whole generation of future leaders are looking to me for inspiration. So it's quite a challenging place. And, um, you know, my, my wish really with this work that I'm doing around unlocking your own leadership brilliance so that you are able to connect and collaborate and amplify the leaders around us is ultimately so that we change the face of leadership over time and we inspire this next generation of leaders to step up and be who they want to be, to be the inspiration that other people look up to, to ultimately pave a path for the future is, is ultimately what, what we need leaders to do, um, to allow and create the space for others to step up to. Tell me a bit more about that that gap you mentioned, because this is a space that traditionally you've you've worked in and made you know significant contributions to around collaboration and and connection. So you've got the the employee, if you like, looking up to the leader for for guidance, inspiration, direction, clarity, and you've got the leader looking down to employees saying, you know, give me the work, show some initiative. Have you seen organisations or teams or cultures doing this well in closing that gap? And and if so, what are they doing? And this might be a chance for you to also share a bit of your work in this space about what you encourage people to do in that in that area. You know, part of the part of the challenge is that um, obviously organisations measured by um, results. Um, and so you've got this, on this one hand, this drive for results and performance, and on this other hand, this conversation about leadership, high-performing people, culture, engagement, etc. cetera. Um, and some smart organizations have realized that their talent, their future leaders are absolutely within their four walls. They've realized that the ideas, the innovation, the opportunity for the future is within their four walls. But at the same time, they come to me and they're questioning, they're going, gosh, Janine, 
uh, we have a problem with engagement. We have a problem at unlocking these ideas. We have a problem, but why won't my my teams step up and speak up and collaborate and innovate more? And so the work I do is I, I literally come in um, and work with high-performing individuals, individuals that have been identified often by the CEO or the C-suite as the next generation of leaders, the next directors, the next VPs. And over a period of time, I work with them around this concept of absolutely capability building, but more importantly, um, helping them see the leader that they currently are and also identifying their blind spots so they can become the leader that they actually really want to become and challenging them around this concept of leadership, of what it actually means, of teaching them the skills to gain perspective, to understand individual hungers, to know how to actually meet people where they're at so that they can move people forward to an end goal. And so essentially the programs I do um, wrap up this, this content of this book, which is why this book came about, because I realized that this staff needed to get wider than me running a program in an organization. But we need our leaders, um, that next level of leaders, these future leaders that are going to take our organizations through and out of the other side of COVID to have the skills, the confidence, the bravery, uh, the, the people skills to unlock ideas, to get teams working better together and to ultimately create this movement and this momentum to the future. And you cannot be successful alone. If you cannot bring people with you, you literally have just got the head of the business. We need our leadership teams to be able to connect the head with the heart to be able to know that strategy on its own will never result in a change because without people on board, without people feeling like they are delivering on purpose, that they are doing something that's worth doing, that they are part of a bigger picture, without all of that, nothing will change. And it's up to our leaders to unlock that in each other. Brilliant. So correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm oversimplifying this, but it seems that, you know, to build our brilliance, we need to we need to stand up, we need to share m- more of ourselves and be more open, and we need to be prepared to step into our spotlight. Absolutely. It's about essentially ownership. It's about connection. It's about con- contribution. And ultimately, it's about the legacy you're leaving. Brilliant. So if someone's listening to our conversation, which I, I really hope they are, um, and they can see that there's areas from listening to you, Janine, that they want to explore or mine to bring out their own brilliance and lead with more influence. How do they start? I mean, buy the book, obviously, and we'll put that into our show notes, but how do they take that insight and do something immediately actionable? It all starts with owning your spotlight, Andrew. It all starts with you getting very, very clear on who you are. Um, Who are you as a person? What are the all the various assets of you? Writing your timeline and understanding how your journey to here has ultimately created this awesome, incredibly brilliant individual that you are. It's taking ownership of then uh, the vision that you have for yourself. So to get started, it all starts with you, owning your spotlight, um, owning your character, owning the warts and all and the wiggly jiggly bits, everything about you, 
owning the plan of you, understanding that better is something that you will become every single day if you take ownership of it, and to stop being invisible, to actually share your expertise, show us who you are, speak up, um, and realize that that you're, you matter. Everything that you do matters. Um, it starts It starts with you. It's a ripping place to finish, Janine. Before we do, where do people buy the book? Where do they find out more about you? Where do they follow you and get engaged with you? Fabulous. Thank you for asking. Uh, so the book you can buy at any major online retailer and it will be in store from the 1st of July. Um, you can check me out at janinegarner.com.au and if you want to find out more about the book, head to bebrilliantbook.com. Awesome. Um, and we'll obviously put those things in the show notes so that people have access to uh, to all of those at a pretty easy click away. So um, thanks so much, Jenny. And I think people listening to this uh, podcast are, are really acutely aware that, you know, staying stationary in a world of rapid change is a dangerous posture for success. And equally so stepping up and stepping into that spotlight and standing up that can also come with some risk and this book is something that helps people navigate that process well and not necessarily risk-free or safely but a lot more soundly um, and with a bit more savvy than just going it alone so thanks for the book thanks for your time um, and wisdom on uh, on joining us on the messy middle I really appreciate it my pleasure thank you for having me Andrew Just a couple of things before we wrap up. If you enjoyed this episode and think listening to more interesting and insightful conversations would be good company as you do your bit and bunker down to battle the coronavirus, then please subscribe by clicking on your preferred podcasting platform at andrewhorsfield.com forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to receive a monthly email from me with insider content, videos, recommended reading, and even some free events I'm running to help you advance people in performance, then sign up for content that's been curated specifically for curious minds like yours at andrewhorsfield.com forward slash newsletter. Thanks for listening.